0: Many people have been taught that radiometric dating methods are an absolute
1: way to date things. But exactly how solid are those dates? Radiometric backflips today on Creation Magazine Live.
0: The audio podcast that you're about to hear features scientific evidence for biblical creation. For many more evidences for the accuracy of the Bible, visit our website, creation.com. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name is Richard Fangrad. And I'm Calvin Smith. Now Our topic this week is radiometric backflips. How solid are these dates really? A popular myth is that radioactive dating methods confirm the geologic time scale and the concept of human evolution. The methods uh, appear so impressive that many Christians accept them as evidence that the earth is very old. Uh, we're going to expose this myth today by doing a study of the dating of the East African KBS tuff strata and the famous fossil 1470, KNMER 1470. That stands for Kenyan National Museum, East Rudolph. Now, you'll have to follow along carefully here to see all the evolutionary assumptions, but you'll, you'll get them. Just just uh, pay close attention.
1: Right. Uh, Richard Leakey, son of famed uh, paleoanthropologist uh, Louis and Mary Leakey, visited the fossil deposits east of Lake Rudolph, which is now Lake Turkana, in northern Kenya in 1967. He immediately organized an expedition to search for hominid fossils, that's what his family okay. does. <laughs> and uh, the most important fossil discovered there is KNM-ER 1470. Skull 1470 is modern in appearance, but was originally estimated by Richard Leakey to be about 2.9 million years old. Okay, One early
0: geologist with Richard Leakey at East Rudolph was K. Barensmeyer. Seeking to unravel the geology of the area, she discovered a volcanic layer of ash, or tuff, that became known as the K. Behrensmeyer site, the KBS tuff. Mm. If the KBS tuff were, were anywhere else, no one would give it, a, give it a second thought. However, at East Rudolph, it is of, of utmost importance. First, human fossils and, and artifacts, tools, cannot usually be dated radiometrically. But they can be at the KBS tuff. It contains radioactive uh, potassium 40, which decays into argon 40. Second,
1: artifacts have been found in association with the KBS tuff. Right. So, so, so the, the assumption is that uh, the tuff gives an, an estimate of the age of the stone tools right. found there, right? Yep. So, third, hundreds of Homo and Australopithecine fossils have been found above and below the KBS tuff. So, the date of the tuff becomes uh, a maximum age for fossils found above it and a minimum for fossils uh, below it. Now, the first attempt to date the KBS tuff was in 1969, well before the discovery of the skull, 1470. Right. Richard Leakey supplied rock samples to F.J. Fitch from uh, Birkbeck College and University of London and J.A. Miller from Cambridge University, both recognized authorities in potassium argon dating. Now, Fitch and Miller's first analysis gave an evolutionary uh, gave evolutionary dates from two hundred and twelve to two hundred and thirty million years of age. Oh, dear! concerning this they said, from these results it was clear that an extraneous argon age discrepancy was present. Well wait a sec, I thought you s- tossed this stuff in a machine and whatever it came out to be, that's what the, what the date was. H- how did they know there was a problem? Well the associated fossils told them that there was a problem. So, in spite of
0: uh, our being assured that dating methods constitute independent confirmation of evolutionary dates, associated fossils had already determined the acceptable date ranges, and the dates fell outside of those ranges, and and because of that they were considered wrong. Now, Based on their alleged evolution, the Australopithecine and other mammalian fossils found beneath the KBS tuff had determined that the rocks should be (laughs) Between two and five million years old. So, dates of 212 to 230 million years right. were, were way off. Without the associated fossils, however, there would be no way for an, an, an evolutionary geologist to know if the dates were good dates or bad dates. Uh, big problem here. Yeah. Uh, under other circumstances and without fossils to guide them, evolutionary geologists could have accepted those dates as good. Right. They would have
1: fact so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fitch and Miller requested uh, new samples. From these they concluded from pumice lumps and, and feldspar crystals that the age of the KBS tuff was 2.61 million years. Wow. Uh, it, it was because Leakey found skull 1470 below this tuff after it had been dated at 2.61 million years and above rock dated at 3.18 million years that he estimated that the skull was then 2.9 million years old. So, so you can okay. see how evolutionary assumptions can overrule so called absolute dating methods. Yeah, that one's easy to see. That one's <laughs> very easy to see. We're going to show you some more examples of that, but people need to get out of their head that, oh, well, the scientists said it, it must be fact. So there's dates that we read about that are supposed to be absolute dating methods. Uh, we're following a study done by uh, evolutionists trying to determine the age of a certain supposed ape man ancestor of ours. So let's continue there.
0: Right. In 1972, before Skull 1470 was announced, uh, Vincent Maglio from Princeton University published in Nature a chronology of the hominid-bearing sediments east of Lake Rudolph, which included the KBS tuff that we've been talking about here. His work was based on the lineages of two species of pig and one of elephant. Now Maglio's dates were uh, compatible with the radiometric date arrived at by Fitch and Miller of, of Two to five million years old, something like that, and were considered to confirm their date. In 1974, a third chronology of the area was published in Nature based on paleomagnetism. The conclusion was 2.7 to 3 million years old, and, and that, that seemed to represent a bullseye for the
1: correlation of various dating methods. So here's a bit more information. Right. So by late 1974, the KBS Tuff had been dated. Five different times by four different dating methods. The alleged uh, compatibility of the different methods would seem to be like a geologist's dream, right? However, right. under the surface, skull 1470, with its estimated age of 2.9 million years, pre- uh, presented the, the evolutionary world with an intolerable situation here.
0: Right. The theory of human evolution did not allow for a skull so modern to be that old. Nevertheless, Richard Leakey continued to fight for his original date. If skull 1470 was 2.9 million years old, then he had discovered the oldest member of the genus Homo. Uh, if it wasn't, he hadn't. Right. Hence, he resisted
1: lowering the age of the skull. Right. He wanted the kudos but, for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, meanwhile, another study by G. H. Curtis and his associates from the University of California, Berkeley, claimed to distinguish two. Um, Tough units. One gave an age of 1.6 million years, and the other, where skull 1470 uh, had, was found, gave 1.82 million years, uh, both considerably younger than the five previous studies had reported. Right? Okay, all of the, the previously cited articles spoke of the great
0: difficulty in getting rock or crystal samples that were not altered, weathered, or derived from older rock. The question arises, uh, the, the, the question comes up here how does one know when one has good samples for dating? Well, The answer seems to be that good samples give dates in accordance with (laughs) evolutionary presuppositions. Bad samples give dates not in conformity with evolution. This is
1: the classic case of circular reasoning here. This is what we're talking about. Of course. On March 20, 1980, two more dating studies in Nature criticized the earlier work and claimed that the age of the KBS tough was 1.87 or 1.89 million years. Then, in late 1981, Ian McDougall published his study of the KBS tough, giving a date of 1.88 million years. At that point, the 10-year controversy over the date of the KBS tough came to a close <laughs> with agreement on the more recent date.
0: Okay. Although the dating of the KBS Tuff appeared to have been settled in 1980 and 81 by conformity of different dating methods, the controversy was actually settled in
1: 1975 by the pigs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Donald Johansson tells of attending the 1975 Bishop Conference on Anthropology and Geology in London. A major paper was presented by Basil Cook from Dalhousie University in Halifax, who'd studied the pig sequences in southern Ethiopia, at Hadar in Ethiopia, and at uh, Olduvai in, uh, Gorge in Tanzania. According to Cook, the dating at Lake Turkana, formerly Lake Rudolph, was too high by about 800,000 years. The pigs at Turkana told him so. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, Donald Johansson is the paleoanthropologist made famous for discovering Lucy, in mm-hmm. case you don't know that name. Uh, He wrote uh, of this conference, he said this, Nearly everyone but the Lake Turkana team, that would be Richard Leakey and his associates, went away convinced that the KBS Tuff and Skull 1470 dates would have to be corrected. Right. Not Leakey, though, because he wanted... Yeah. Right. Not Leakey.
1: But the astounding thing about the whole (laughs) affair was that the anthropologists were rejecting the same objective scientific data that they universally appealed to. Yeah. There was internal consistency within the studies and high conformity by five different dating techniques. The main thing the dates did not conform to was the concept of evolution of pigs and humans. Radiometric dating methods are not really considered absolute at all by informed scientists. Right. I mean, in this case, (laughs) the evolution of the pigs is said to be the clear cut answer to the dating problems that we've been looking at in East Africa. Right. But the evidence is less than impressive. In his uh, phylogeny of the pigs, the bush pig, the forest hog, the warthog, etc. Basil Cook presented family trees for uh, three taxonomic groups. Two of the groups have at their bases the the phrase, hypothetical, sus-like ancestor.
0: Okay, Uh, The 20 species that make up these three groups are shown in parallel lines connected only by dotted lines, indicating that there is no known relationship between any of the species. The chart could just as well have been written by a creationist, (laughs) drawn by a creationist, amazing.
1: Most of the fossil pig evidence consists of teeth. Several species are based on the skimpiest evidence, uh, imperfectly known, rare, scarce, these are the terms commonly associated with the fossils. (laughs) And the various relationships between the different ones are largely guesses. So the 1980 and 1981 studies on the date of the KBS Tuff contain so many criticisms Of all the earlier studies, that they called into question the objectivity and the uh, validity of the dating methods themselves.
0: Right. This this account highlights two major fallacies of radioactive dating. First, the history of the dating of the KBS tuff reveals that no matter how careful a scientist is in selecting his rock samples and performing his laboratory work. If he gets the wrong date for his rocks, mm-hmm. he's open to the charge of using contaminated material and defective methodology and and, and things
1: like this. Well, yeah, but the, the charges need to be proved here, right? The, the literature set suggests that even if radiometric dating were v- which was valid in concept, which it which it's not, but the practical matter of selecting rock samples that can be proved pure and uncontaminated well it requires an omniscience <laughs> beyond humans it does, yeah. right the, the radioactive dating methods are, are a classical example of circular reasoning it, it's another one of these myths about evolution that people just believe because they've been told oh they're absolute dating methods
0: right and secondly what normally happens in a fossil discovery is that the fossils are discovered first then attempts are made to date the rock strata in which they're found now under these conditions a paleoanthropologist has a degree of control over the results. He's free to reject dates that don't fit with the evolutionary scenario of the fossils. He's not even required to publish uh, those, those obviously anomalous. Discordant, uh, 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 d- discordant right? dates. Discordant uh, dates. The results, uh, the, the result is a very misleading picture of the conformity of the human fossil record with the concept of human evolution. That's what you get.
1: It's entirely possible that if this Skull 1470 had never been found, that, that uh, the KBS tuff would be still dated at 2.61 million years. Yeah. We'd continue to be told that it was a secure date, based on the precision of radiometric dating and independent confirmation of these other dating techniques that, that acted as controls, etc. All this scientific jargon, right? It was the shocking discovery of the morphologically modern skull 1470, located well below the KBS tuff, that precipitated this 10-year. Controversy. Backflips. Yes. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so there was controversy
0: over the dating of one of the most important human fossil <laughs> d- discoveries ever, the f- human fossils. The, the pigs won. <laughs> the pigs won over the elephants. The pigs won over potassium-argon dating. Uh, the, the pigs won over argon-40, uh, argon-39 dating, over fishing track dating. They won over paleomagnetism. The pigs won over all of these supposed
1: absolute dating methods. Because they figured they, that this evolutionary trajectory of these pigs is the most solid. Right? Yeah,
0: interesting.
1: So one of the reasons CMI, uh, CMI makes so many resources available to people... You know, who have an open mind to look at these uh, things, is that these anomalies are rarely talked about in in popular right. literature yeah. and, and teaching materials. So that the average uh, person, they're not really exposed to this information. They just get told the final story, so to speak. Right. Um, and that's why so many people feel confident with these evolutionary dates they hear, because they just hear them as absolutely scientific. Well, and, and, and everybody's in agreement. This this type of thing. Yes. Right? Yeah. We
0: we see this so many times when we're out speaking, uh, people are looking at you like you're uh, living in some kind of conspiracy theory. What do you mean the young earth and so on? And often scientists have confidence in pronouncements made in other scientific disciplines where they have no expertise, not realizing the immense bias that is affecting the results that they read. In western New South Wales, that's in Australia, uh, part of a semi-arid desert has been set aside as a World Heritage Site. Evolutionists believe that the site represents an outstanding example of the major stages, one of the major stages in man's evolutionary history. It all centers on the discovery of human remains in sand dunes surrounding ancient Lake Mungo.
1: Right. And the first major find um, in 1969 was uh, of a crushed and burnt uh, skeletal fragments. Interpreted to be a female called Lake Mungo, one, or more affectionately, Mungo woman. Mungo woman, there we (laughs) go. What made the find significant was the assigned date. Carbon 14 dating uh, um, yielded an age of 19,000 years and on collagen, some soft tissue, uh, gave a 24,700 year uh, age. This excited the archaeologists because these dates made their find the oldest human burial in Australia.
0: Okay, but. Carbon 14 dating on nearby charcoal produced an age up to 26,000 years, 26,500 years. This meant that the skeleton, uh, buried slightly lower than the charcoal, must have been older. Not surprisingly, the older charcoal age was considered to be the most reliable <laughs> estimate and launched uh, Mungo women uh, to uh, national and international fame
1: because right. of this, this old age. It's even older. Yeah. So uh, Jane Baum of the Centre for Archaeology at the University of uh, Western Australia put it succinctly. She said, there's a general perception that there is a competition to get the oldest date, and there's kudos in it. <laughs> Whoever gets the oldest one wins. Absolutely.
0: Uh, th- there was a kudos in this date. At 26,000 years Mungo woman was nearly twice as old as the previous oldest date for Aboriginal settlement in Australia and possibly the earliest human cremation in the entire
1: world. <laughs> right. So then in 1974, um, Bowler and Thorne, uh, two researchers, found a, a skeleton sprinkled with, the, uh, with powdered red ochre in, in, uh, in a grave only 450 meters away. This one was well uh, preserved and similar to the skeletons of modern Aborigines because uh, the new skeleton, uh, Lake Mungo Three, they called it, was found in the same sand bed, technically the the same uh, stratigraphic horizon. Uh, He was assigned the same age as Mungo woman. Um, Thus Mungo man became famous uh, too uh, as one of the world's earliest uh, burial sites.
0: Okay. Uh, The situation became even more exciting when a different dating method, thermal luminescence, was used. In 1998, Bowler reported that sand from the uh, The Mungo three site gave an age of some forty two thousand years wow. uh, being older than the carbon fourteen dates, Mungo Man acquired a new stature, a new status on the world evolution scene, yep. so the earlier reliable carbon fourteen ages were abandoned in favor of the thermoluminescence dates, so which one was so,
1: fact <laughs> which one was well, science that's the thing right? which one was you know truth so. Then in 1999, other scientists from uh, the Australian National University published a new comprehensive study on the age of Mungo Man. They used different samples of bone and sand and, and, and a couple of different dating methods. And the results from all the different methods agreed closely. Their conclusion? Mungo Man was 62,000 years old. He's getting older, uh, all the time. getting older all the time. Just, yeah.
0: <laughs> there, there was just one small problem. The new date meant that the history of Australian occupation would have to be <laughs> rewritten. <laughs> and it also affected the ideas of, of, of human evolution
1: in other parts of the world. Right. So, so, it, so Bowler stubbornly refused to accept the new dates in his protest at the Journal of Human Evolution. He said, for this complex laboratory-based dating to be successful, the data must be compatible with the external field, field evidence.
0: It's hard not to laugh here, but in other words, you don't just accept a laboratory date without question. Yeah, That's the moral of the story. It's not the last word on the age of something. You only accept the date if it agrees with what you
1: already think it should be.
0: Exactly. That's the moral and, and, of the story.
1: That's what we've been saying all along. <laughs> this is why we won't accept any data that contradicts the eyewitness evidence of human history recorded in the Bible. Right. It's the authority any of these contradictory dates simply can't be correct.
0: Yeah. In short, the, the dates are wrong because they are based on wrong assumptions. For example, the carbon-14 method doesn't account for the disruption of carbon balance during the flood some 4500 years ago. The uranium methods don't make correct assumptions about the initial conditions of the samples or about the effects of changing environmental, environmental conditions throughout time. The The luminescence dates have the
1: same problem. Um, right. it, <laughs> just goes on and on. Exactly. Um, basically what we're telling Christians here is this, don't marry your theology to these scientific so-called dating methods, because once you do, uh, you're going to find out you might get a divorce sooner or later. And oftentimes, it's, we've seen people who've claimed Christianity reject their faith over these so-called scientific dating methods, right. but they aren't absolute.
0: About what's going on in the news. There's, some, there's always some interesting science, and uh, we got this from, from actually
1: Fox News, the website, but there's, there's all stuff all over the place. Yeah, every week uh, I'll, I'll get on some of the news sites and just to, to see what's out there. Evolutionary yeah. stuff is constantly yeah. being portrayed. So, this article uh, just came out a little while ago Neanderthals wore eagle talons as jewelry 130,000 years ago. Now, many of you probably remember reading about Neanderthal or seeing depictions of Neanderthal, and of course, when they were first found, they were always depicted as these brutish, proto-human, yeah, subformed, yeah. you know, uh, not as intelligent, of course, even in modern movies, you know, a night at the museum and stuff like that. they're all the cavemen, <laughs> right And they're yeah, not okay. that smart, etc. Well, let me just read portions of this here. Long before they shared the landscape with modern humans, Neanderthals in Europe developed a sharp sense of style. Wearing eagle claws as jewelry, new evidence suggests. Researchers identified eight talons from white-tailed eagles, including four that had distinct notches and cut marks from a 130,000-year-old Neanderthal cave in Croatia. They suspect the claws were once strung together as part of a necklace or bracelet. And of course, here's one of the researches. It really is absolutely stunning, uh, study author David Frere, an anthropology professor at the University of Kansas, told Live Science. It fits with this general picture that's emerging that Neanderthals were much more modern in their behavior. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So we just
0: finished talking about all of these articles and dating methods and all these fancy dates, from radiometric dating in this case, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then a few years later, there's another study that overturns the, the previous study and, and, and actually starts just criticizing it and saying, well, it was wrong and here's why it's wrong. And yeah.
1: They did sloppy research and so on. And, and one of the things that CMI does, and I think we actually do it more effectively than the evolutionists uh, do, is, see, we're constantly scanning for stuff like this. If you go right. to our website right now, you go to creation.com and you just pun- punch in Neanderthal, you're probably going to get 20 or 30 articles come up, and you're going to get some uh, some modern articles where, see, they haven't just found jewelry with Neanderthals. They found that they wore makeup. They found that right. they buried people in religious rituals. They found that they have uh, basically produced offspring with modern humans. Well, what does that make them? A, a human, right? <laughs> not exactly. some, not some you know proto ape man or whatever like that. And they have all the characteristics. Of modern humans. They did cave art. They're talking about some of the cave art that Neanderthals produced, like the the Sistine Chapel of cave art. It's beautiful, it's wonderful. And so, you know, oftentimes people will see a scant article like this and they'll say, okay, well, this kind of fits in with the evolutionary story, but we take all the stuff, we package it together. What do we find? No, Neanderthals were just people uh, dispersed after the flood. And can we trust these dates now
0: that this article is talking about, given what we've just been talking about? This kind of information, you can get a great sample of it. Get a free Creation magazine digital copy at creation.com freemag. You can have a look at a digital copy there. We'll see you next week both the creation magazine live tv show and this podcast are produced by creation ministries international a global think tank organization dedicated to disseminating the huge amount of scientific evidence for the accuracy of the biblical account of the origin of our universe if you'd like to donate to keep this information coming go to creation.com donate and thanks for listening